The scripture reading for this morning is from 1 Corinthians, uh, the first chapter, the first nine verses. I'll be reading from the Living Bible. It's uh, a translation that I don't often use, but uh, it's such a, it helps me to understand the word. And I think because it helps me to understand it, it'll help you to understand it. So I chose the Living Bible for today. It's interesting to note that uh, in Paul's day, that the person who wrote the letter signed it before you read it. I thought that was a great idea. There are people who tell me that they get anonymous letters, but they don't read them. How do you know they're anonymous if you haven't already read them and gotten to the front? the word in inside, but what a good idea. So that's how it starts. From Paul, chosen by God to be Jesus Christ's missionary, and from Brother Sothenes, to the Christians in Corinth, invited by God to be his people and made acceptable to him by Christ Jesus. And To all Christians everywhere, that includes us, see, whoever calls upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and theirs. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you all of his blessings and great peace of heart and mind. I can never stop thanking God for all the wonderful gifts that he has given you now that you are Christ's. He has enriched your whole life. He's helped you speak out for him and has given you a full understanding of the truth. What I told you Christ could do for you has happened. Now you have every grace and blessing and every spiritual gift and power for doing his will or yours during this time of waiting for the return of our Lord. And he guarantees, he guarantees right up to the end that you will be counted free from all sin and guilt on that day when he returns. God will surely do this for you. For he always does just what he says. And he is the one who has invited you into this wonderful friendship. With his son, even Christ, our Lord. Wow. Let's bow our heads for prayer together. Thank you, O Lord, for this scripture that you have given us today. To remind us of the blessings that are ours. Now, O Lord, may your spirit fall afresh upon me and all of us, that we may be able to understand how blessed we are. We wait for your word and your truth in the name and the spirit of Jesus. So come, Lord, and bless us, for we ask it in the name of him who cares about us all. Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. 
I think all of us like a story of rags to riches. The story of from the cinders to the palace, the log cabin to the White House. I think we like that because we really hope that will happen to us somehow, some way. And life, uh, as it happens to us so often, beats us down. And things just come our way that make us feel that we're not much and that uh, life is not much. And it is a time like that that this passage of Scripture is so important to us because here comes Paul to remind us that we are not poor people. We're not in the ashes of life. Now that we are Christ, he said, he has enriched your whole life. So we are no longer in rags. We're in the richness of life. We're not poor people. We're rich people. And in fact, Paul in this passage of scripture reminds us that we have an endowment. That he is, uh, that now that we are Christ, we have every spiritual gift and power for doing his will. He's reminding us that we are a spirit-blessed people. Now, we're gathered here today on this the, uh, rem- this weekend in which we remember the birth of Dr. Martin Luther King. And when I come to a weekend like this or a special time of remembering the great people of our history, I like to write a little bit about them. And I like to see how they have been given spiritual gifts in order to be the kind of person that they've been in our midst. And there is no question that Dr. Martin Luther King had a spirit-blessed ministry and life. And I I want to read you what, what I wrote. Dr. Martin Luther King. We remember him who boldly stood in the face of ugly, unjust, and systematic racial prejudice. He used his God-given spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit led him and enabled him to believe. Love is greater than hatred. Peace is greater than police dogs. A dream is better than a nightmare. He pricked the conscience of every thinking person in our nation. And he did not quit. He did not quit following Jesus, even unto death. There is no doubt that we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King as a person who was Holy Spirit blessed. But the Holy Spirit is not just for those people who have unique ministries and opportunities. For Paul says that each of us have been endowed. He says we have been given every spiritual gift and power to do his will. We are endowed people. I believe that every one of us, 
every follower of Jesus Christ has been given at least one spiritual gift. I don't know what your spiritual gift is. I need to keep finding out my spiritual gift. But every one of us have been given at least one spiritual gift. Wednesday night, I was at the uh, Wednesday night dinner. And I saw a, a little boy there whose father came to this church while I was here as a little boy. I watched his father grow up. So I was drawn to him. I went over to him and I said, how are you doing? And he said, I'm doing fine. He said, you're old. <laughs> and I said, uh, you think so? He said, yeah. I said, well, how old are you? He said, I'm five. And I said, well, I'm, I'm five and a half. <laughs> but he had, he has the spiritual gift of telling the truth. And I think that he might keep, if he keeps nourishing that spiritual gift, he'll become a preacher. And his, and he'll proclaim the truth. And some of us are not going to like it when you hear the truth. But each and every one of us, I don't know what yours is. I know some of you have the spiritual gift of encouragement. Some of you have the spiritual gift of generosity. But whatever that spiritual gift is, it's been given to you. You've been endowed with the power to do his will. And we must use it or we will lose it. We're not poor people. We're rich people because we have an endowment the endowment of the Holy Spirit. But we're not poor people, we're rich people because we have a guarantee. That passage of scripture, Paul says, he will hold us guiltless and shameless until that day when he shall return. What a great gift that is. What, What a great promise that is. What a guarantee that is. We're not Poor people, rich people, because we've been guaranteed that we will be held guiltless and shameless on that day when he shall return. <clears throat> when I was a little boy, we, my parents uh, were living in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, next door to the parsonage where we lived was uh, a couple that lived there. They were very faithful and loyal uh, Catholics, and they were both retired people. And uh, they were so loving to me. Uh, Their names were Rylings, the Rylings, Mr. and Ms. Ryling. And uh, Mrs. Ryling called me my little boy, which I thought was a nice term. She would see me playing in the yard, and she'd say, Good morning, my little boy. And occasionally she would call my mother and say, I would like to have my little boy over for breakfast in the morning. And I would go over and eat breakfast at her house. She really knew how to cook. And her breakfasts were really great. Well, I remember... 
one time when I was there, after we had breakfast, he said, now, my little boy, I've got to clean up the house. You come with me. And so I followed along with her. And I shall never forget that we went upstairs, and she was making up the bed in her bedroom. And there on on the side wall, there were two windows, and in the middle was just a, a small space. But in that small space, in that wall between the windows, was a picture of a, a heart. And superimposed upon that heart was a cruel crown of thorns. And blood dripped down. Well, you can well imagine that caught my imagination as I stood there looking at it as a little boy, five or six years old. I said, Ms. Riling, what's that? What's that about? And she said, well, my little boy, that's the heart of Jesus. And every time you sin, it causes his heart to break and bleed. Oh, I said, I can't remember thinking, wow, I don't want to do that. And then over her bed was the first time that I ever saw a crucifix. The given, fully given, freely given, suspended body of Jesus on the cross. And I said, and tell me, tell me about that. And I saw tears come to her eyes. And the only thing she could say was, Oh, my little boy, that's for you. That's for you. I didn't quite understand what she was talking about at that time. But later in life, I would learn the doctrine of redemption in a course in seminary. And I understood how it was for me that he went to the cross. And it was for you. And the cross, the the crucifix to this day, there was always a crucifix on my desk. And there's a crucifix that hangs over my desk today. Because that is the symbol that we have been given forgiveness of all our sins, not just some of our sins, but all of our sins. And when I look at it, I hear the voice of my neighbor lady. That's for you, my little boy. That's for you. And that's for you, too. We're not poor people. We're rich people because we have a guarantee that we will be held free from all guilt and shame on that day when he shall return. But then we're not poor people, we're rich people because we have an invitation in this passage of Scripture. Paul says, you are invited into the blessed fellowship with his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. It is he who has invited us into that blessed fellowship. What he's talking about is the friendship with Jesus. A personal relationship with Jesus is what he gives to us. We're not poor people, we're rich people because we can have a personal relationship with him. 
He walks with us and talks with us as a good friend does. And we are blessed by the sense of his presence. I believe Jesus walks with every one of us. He's walking with us. Sometimes we don't recognize him being with us, but he is with us. I know that there are times in my life when Jesus walks out in front of me. And he says, this is the way, walk ye in it. And he leads me in my life. There are times when he walks behind me and pushes me to climb greater heights and to do greater things and not to be satisfied with the status quo. There are times when he walks beside me and simply asks me, how are you doing today? And then there are times when he carries me. Thank God he's lifted me up in the shadow valley. And carried me when I was broken and sad. And what he did and what he does for me, he does for you. We have a great time. We have a great opportunity to walk in the presence of Jesus himself. Because he's walking with us as a good friend. We're not poor people. We're rich people. But he... It doesn't, that's not the only thing about the fellowship that we're invited into. We're invited into the fellowship of the church, the living body of Jesus in the world, the imperfect body of Jesus in the world. We're, we're not poor people, we're rich people. Because we not only have the personal relationship, but we have the relationship with the body of Christ, the church. And I love that. My first pastorate was in Knoxville, Tennessee. And uh, I learned so much right off the bat. In that church, we, we had a, a woman named Margaret Steiner. She was sort of the, the town character. She uh, lived in the house she had been born in. It was the old farmhouse up Dutch Valley Road in the community right there in Knoxville. Her name being Steiner, and I assumed that she was a part of the original Dutch people that caused the valley to be named Dutch Valley. The house she lived in was broken up and hadn't been painted in years. It didn't have electricity or running water. And if you don't have electricity or living running water, you usually don't bathe as often as you should. So when Margaret came into the room, you would know she was there. You get my drift on that. But I told Margaret, I said, Margaret, I know when it gets cold that you don't have electricity or so you feel free to come up. You have a key to the church. You come up and stay in the church. And we had a fold-up cot there for her so she could sleep in the church. And then she would, uh, and she she took that invitation quite liberally, to be honest with you. And she would then fix her breakfast or whatever in the church kitchen. Well, there was another woman in that church, Catherine Hughes. She was our, 
one and only local sophisticate. This is an awful story. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I should not be telling you. But uh, Catherine, and I love Catherine. She was, but I often wondered what she had to be sophisticated about. But she was our local and only sophisticate. And uh, she let it be known that she would never eat at a covered dish dinner. Because you don't know who fixed that food and where it was fixed. And I'm certainly, she said, not going to eat anything that comes out of that kitchen. Well, one night we had a covered dish dinner and on Wednesday night and Catherine was there. And I noticed that she was, <laughs> she was drinking a cup of coffee. The devil made me do this. <laughs> I went up to Catherine and I said, Catherine, are you not going to have anything to eat? Oh, no, no, no. I would never eat anything that I don't know where it was cooked and who cooked it. And I'm certainly not going to eat anything that comes out of that kitchen. And I said, but you're drinking coffee. And she took a sip. And I said, I recognize that cup. That's the cup that Margaret soaks her teeth in. What a terrible story. <laughs> but what I learned was that Jesus loved Margaret just as much as he loved Catherine. And he loved Catherine and Margaret just as much as he loved me. And I discovered that was the kind of church I want. That's the kind of church I'm looking for. A church that has people that smell bad. Has people that don't think they smell bad. And a church that has a devilish preacher in it. I want a church that has sinners in it. I want a church that has broken people in it. I want a church that has hypocrites in it. Because it means there's room for me. And that's the blessed fellowship that's been offered to us. There's room in the church, the body of Christ. For broken, lost, hurting, bleeding, smelly. Sophisticated, pseudo-sophisticated hypocrites. There's room in the church for me. We're not poor people. We're rich people. But we have an endowment. We have a guarantee. We have an invitation. We're not we're people. We're rich people. Because since Christ has come into our lives, he has enriched our whole lives. We're not poor. We're rich. And that's the truth. Amen.
And now may the blessings of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you, abide with you, and keep you in his peace, grace, and glory, now and forever and forever and forevermore. Amen.